With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael DePodpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring. Chris, I know it's the 7th, but this is our first pod of 2022, so I just want to say Happy New Year. I hope things are well, and as hard as it is to promote anything New York Knicks-related, one morning after R.J. Barrett hit the luckiest shot (laughs) in the history of basketball— um, I just want to say, everyone, please remember to pre-order Chris's book, Blood in the Garden, which officially goes on sale January 18th. Is that correct, Chris? Thank you so much, man. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, about a, I guess we're, what, a week and a half out? But it's weird because so many Exciting. people are like posting the book already because they've gotten it weeks early from Bookshop, which is wonderful. Support independent bookstores. Um, even more so than supporting me, um, but uh, but thank you so much for the plug and yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It's it's weird to be that close to having a book out. Uh, we had to pull some of the live events that we'd had planned at the Strand and a couple other bookstores mm-hmm. in New York. But you know, on on the bright side of it, um, which we shouldn't need a bright side for something necessarily for such a fun occasion. But uh, so many people have hit me up and said, "Oh, this is great!" Like not to say that I don't want you to have you know, a crowning event for your book and everything, but now I can be a part of it and I live in LA or I live in Australia or, you know, what have you. So making it virtual is not the worst thing in the world. So I'm appreciative of all the support. So thank you so much for giving me the plug. You got to find the silver lining in things. And, um, I, yeah, it's, it's an awesome book. Everybody please go get it. And again, it, it is taking every molecule in my body not to, (laughs) to scream um doing it this morning we were talking right before we started to record obviously last night the celtics lost at the buzzer evan fournier scored 700 points made uh (laughs) 300 three-pointers um just a really terrible night all around even though i did enjoy the game up until the last second i gotta say yeah yeah it was it's funny i was not even watching it but then 
when I saw that the lead was creeping down from 20 to 11 <laughs> to 7 to 4 to, oh, crap, it's tied, like, mm-hmm. I found a way to tune in for those last few minutes, and it was – it's a pretty good one. Something about the Knicks and the Celtics this year that makes those games pretty good, at least at the Garden, at least at Madison Square Garden. Something about them, yes, a.k.a. the Celtics being terrible. So speaking of that, <laughs> <laughs> on today's show, we're going to discuss a, a fake Celtics trade that I wrote about on SI.com that everyone can go check out. We're also going to react to the first fan returns for All-Star Voting which the NBA released yesterday. Uh, but first, a quick reminder to please keep your emails coming. They've honestly never been this good since I've hosted the show. All are incredible. Uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Okay, so before we get into the all-star talk, Chris, I thought we should pay some respect to the one and only Dirk Nowitzki, who had his jersey officially retired this week. Um I love, love, love uh, Jersey retirement ceremonies. They get me feeling nostalgic and sappy, and they make me cry. This one succeeded. Um, <laughs> it was top-notch. Nice. It, opened, it opened with an orchestra. Uh, it ended with Green Day. Just It, was, it, it had everything. <laughs> it was great. Um, it also got me thinking about active players who have the potential for you know, an emotional Jersey retirement ceremony in the future and how, you know, the NBA is different now thanks to free agency and player empowerment. And there's a very real chance no real great players ever spend 21 years with the same organization like Dirk did. Um, The obvious exceptions, I think, among active players are Steph and maybe Giannis. But like when... Durant retires, or when LeBron retires, or when Kawhi retires. They just won't have the same... Maybe I'm going to be wrong about this, but maybe they, or maybe you disagree. I just feel like they won't have the same type of moment and the same type of connection with one organization for a night like that, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, that said, who... I'm, I'm, I'm curious for you. Who do you think, besides Curry and Giannis, can have well, the I, type of... Go ahead. I, I was gonna disagree with you a little bit. Okay. I, I think you're right. I think you're right for the most part that it's gonna be rarer to see the Dirks, the Kobe's, the you know, the Tim Duncans, those right. sorts of guys. I, I do think that you're still gonna have plenty of guys though where there's that weird breaking point where you get like five sixths of a career in one place. So like Dwayne Wade, I mean, who played more than five sixths of his career in Miami, yeah. but like someone that essentially made it to the finish line and then there was a contract dispute and then they have to go somewhere else. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I get it. Like it, it, it diminishes it a little bit. You get those really awkward Hakeem Olajuwon Raptors Jersey, you know, pictures that <laughs> flood the internet, you know, the Dwayne Wade and the Bulls Jersey, the Cavs Jersey, whatever. I don't think it diminishes it that much. Like it, it, it's certainly different. But you know, you know where someone's bread was buttered, you know, essentially. So I think you're going to see more of that. I think it'll be okay. But I, I do totally understand what you're saying. If I had to pick one guy that I think there will be like an outpouring of emotion, I don't think it's that difficult. I think when you really think, I think it's, it'll still be LeBron because with him, really? there's the local, there's the local aspect of it. They went five decades without winning a championship in that mm-hmm. city. Um, not even just. Not even just 
NBA, but just I'm pretty sure the city had gone five decades without winning anything. Um, and so you add that factor in the fact that he left and then came back to do it. You know, I, I, I don't know. Like, if I, I think if it's not LeBron, people are overcomplicating it. Um, just because I, I think that that's how often is it that you're going to get a guy that I, I don't know. The, the, the one other place that I think it could potentially happen, but I don't think it's the same as LeBron even is like, I think guys that have a hometown tie. So I think Rose for Chicago, I think would be those people love that man. They do. Um, now they also were pretty ugly on his way out for a little bit of time because mm-hmm. of the, the, you know, the conversation around the idea of, uh, is is he just kind of dogging it with regards to coming back from this injury, which I've never felt was right. Just given are we the fact sure? That, are, are we sure that Chicago is going to retire Derrick Rose's jersey? Is that a, is that, that like it's a, a it's a hypothetical? I, I I think yeah, it's missing the idea of it's missing the idea of a title. It's missing the idea of even a conference title, but the idea that the youngest MVP in NBA history wouldn't get one. And it's very clear that like his career was headed on a trajectory where he would have had mm-hmm. that. You can't say definitively, but it's you know it, it's got parallels with that '90s Knicks team that you were talking about as far as my book at the top of the pod, where that team's pretty beloved here in Chicago. People here give the guy standing ovations when he's playing for other teams, and he left early in his career, but because of injury, and he had accomplished something that normally puts you on a list where you are in rarefied air at that point. So, I mean, he's a better player theoretically than some of the guys that you've got up there in the rafters already. Mm-hmm. So if you don't give him that, it's, it's not weird, but it's, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. Like you had somebody that was the best player in the league for a year. So I, I don't know. I, I, I could see that being an emotional one, but still I would pick LeBron and not really think twice about it. Assuming that we're not going with Giannis and also assuming that, Something happens with Lillard where he doesn't stay in a Portland jersey for the rest of his career. Lillard is a really good call for sure. He probably isn't going to get the ring in Portland, and that would separate him obviously from sure. Dirk. And Dirk's ceremony was like centered around winning the title, um, as it should have been. Um, you know, I think there's a few active players who have the potential here. Jokic springs to mind as someone who. Could Good very call. well spend the whole his whole career in Denver and great story. He's going to potentially be one of the 15, 20 greatest players uh, who's ever call. lived. Uh, so that that could be fun. I would really like that. And he's also got the same type of just like uh, affable, jovial personality that Dirk has. Like everyone loves Jokic. Everyone loves Dirk. So I think that that could be one. I think... So I want to, you saying LeBron is really interesting to me. I, as you were talking, I, I definitely came to your side with Cleveland. Like they're gonna love LeBron. That's gonna be a great night. Do you think he'll have three jersey retirement ceremonies? I was thinking about that right before you asked. That I think with what I was saying about Wade, I think you've got the potential to have guys that. I mean, LeBron is so singular, so it's hard to say, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he kind of has to. First of all, the Lakers take pride in how many jerseys they can stuff up there. <laughs> and, you know, putting two jersey numbers up there for Kobe. Uh, 
you know. So, I, yeah, they're going to do one for him in L.A. I mean, it had been a while since they'd won anything in L.A. It had been a while since they'd even made the playoffs in L.A. Um, for them, by their standards. Miami is a place that literally has taken pride in putting Jordan's jersey up there. Dan so Marino. You know, Dan Marino, they like they put the greats up there. So, you know, Riley's been very clear <laughs> about that idea. Now, I will say this. I would think that it will pass and that maybe it already has. Riley's had some pretty strong words about LeBron, too, since he left in terms mm-hmm. of how it hurt him, how he felt like LeBron was borderline disrespectful in terms of the lack of attention that he got from LeBron when he was essentially making his pitch for him to stay, uh, that LeBron was watching a soccer game in the background or whatever. And he talked about wanting to write a Dan Gilbert-style letter um, and put it into the ether the same way that Dan Gilbert did with Cleveland when LeBron left. So, I, you know, I think that's past. I, I think the fact that Pat Riley was even able to acknowledge that publicly probably suggests that it passed. I don't know if it was quickly or not, but I mean, Miami's franchise was built on Dwayne Wade's back, but LeBron was the best player during an era where they won two championships. It was not six, not seven, not eight, but two for a franchise that only had one prior to that. Um, you know, and was not the best team in the league in a dynasty or potential dynasty. You know, I I, I think he's deserving of one there, certainly, too. Uh, won a couple MVPs there. I, I would say that he he deserves one in each of those places, and I, I think that, frankly, Cleveland is a no-brainer, again, unless the feelings are just too hurt, but they shouldn't be because he won you a title. He kind of fulfilled that promise, even if it wasn't what everybody hoped for, you know, at the beginning of his career, when it looked like he was going to be there forever, um, I don't blame him for having left. And you know, it'd be weird to blame him after he wins you a title. So I think he deserves one in each of those places. Yeah, I actually heard that Miami was planning on raising one of Rohan's uh, undershirts into the rafters later this mm-hmm. season. So it's you know they they'll they'll pretty much celebrate anybody down there. And shout out to them. So I can totally see. A retirement ceremony for LeBron, and he's a, obviously a great player, so that, that shouldn't surprise uh, anybody. Um, before we move on from this, um, do you have a favorite Dirk moment th- from like from his career? It could be on the court, it could be in a press conference, it could be just anything about Dirk that you remember fondly. Well, I think most black people hold Dirk in really high esteem because of the to-go plates that he has uh, after every game. Uh, <laughs> which we all take real pride in that. We all love that. Like, it's like our favorite thing about him. But on the court, uh, he had, it'll seem like a really, you know, nondescript sort of game. I guess not nondescript, but he had a game seven against the Spurs during that finals run. Uh, The Spurs were the team they had to beat in the semifinals to make it to the Western Conference finals. Um, You know, if you look at it, it, it wasn't a particularly, particularly special game. Uh, from the perspective of, like, was it his best game ever? No. Was it the one that clinched the title? No. I think he had 37, which is pretty damn good, but I think he had 37 in overtime. He played, like, 49 minutes. You look at the box score, he didn't hit any threes. Um, But, you know, they basically got Tim Duncan's best on that night. I think Duncan actually outscored him. He had, like, 41. Um, But Dirk, what I love about it is that it makes me remember – who the hell Dirk was because he wasn't hitting threes. Like he was such a threat from everywhere else and from three, obviously, but 
just from the mid range in, like what were you supposed to do with them? And so the way that we watch guys close out really hard on clay and these really elite three point shooters, the Spurs were closing out on him like that from mid range. And Dirk was getting to the rim, just yamming on folks. Dirk was hitting guys in the post for, you know, these beautiful quick passes. He was beating guys off the dribble. And it's just kind of like, it was so long ago at this point that I kind of forgot that Dirk had all that. Um, Mm -hmm. But watching it and watching it against, I mean, the Spurs were always an elite defense and just watching him just kind of go in on an elite defense like that, just dunking on them uh, when he doesn't even have that much space to work with. Uh, He, he, he wasn't, I don't think you would ever say he was like athletic, but he was certainly athletic relative to guys that height and that size. Um, And he, you know, I guess I would juxtapose that with a play in the All-Star game a couple years ago, the last one that he played in that was kind of more of an honorary spot that he got where it was very clear that Steph was trying to get him a lob uh, just to get Dirk to dunk in a game because he really didn't have it at that point. And so it's kind of cool to think about that moment in conjunction with what I was just talking about where he could do that on elite defenses and meaningful games and meaningful series on the path to a title. So he – he was just a beast, man. But what about you? What, do you have one that sticks out for you? Hmm. I I mean, I, I have a really like corny answer, I think. And it's just the, the driving lefty layup that he hit Beautiful. in the finals to win the title over Chris Bosch. Like it's just that's like the signature play that pops in my head when I think about him, which is weird because it's a driving lefty layup and not his his unblockable one-legged fadeaway, which is how he's being portrayed in um, on the statue that was revealed that Mark Cuban revealed. Like they got to get rid cool of those statue. extra basketballs on those statues, or do hey, you like it? I no, I I did not want to 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 be too negative here. Um, <laughs> so I was just gonna <laughs> I was just gonna say they were great. But my first reaction was like, what are these two? Are these two balls like? Just in the model, are these going to be in the actual? Like we don't real need life to see version? how much arc like, <laughs> Dirk put on his shots, but thank you, Mark Cuban. Like it was a cute have the ball in his hands. Like what are we doing? Yeah. Like very, yeah. very strange. Um, yeah. So that was uh, yeah no, but that's that's like the shot that I just think about when I think about Dirk is the the lefty layup, and I just love like also how the narrative with him sh- shifted throughout his career, where it was like he was the guy who really personified the European soft player. And in that finals, LeBron and Dwayne Wade made fun of him for being sick. Do you remember that? Where they like they had the sniffles? I do remember that. I do remember. Yep. So for him to like brush that off and and win that series and like he was the most mentally tough player in that series. Like LeBron is the one who broke down a little bit and couldn't handle, you know, um uh Berea guarding him on the perimeter in the NBA finals. So that's uh, that's just what I when I think about Dirk like that's that's just like greatness for me that series and those moments and shout out to Dirk and that that retirement ceremony was awesome and I I, I implore everyone to uh, check it out if you have not watched it it's available on YouTube or wherever you can I'm sure you can say it was like an hour long which I was not necessarily anticipating but he deserves an hour it was 21 years and he put that organization on the map so shout out to Dirk there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Okay, let's get into, uh, let's get into the all-star um, reactions that you and I have to... Uh, some of the the fan vote, um, re- the the revealing results of the fan vote that we've the first results that we saw yesterday. Um, I, I gave you a few questions, Chris, just like fun little reactionary questions that we can kind of go off of. Um, my first one to you was just, you know, which player are you most surprised to not see anywhere on this list? Um, do you want me to go first and give you mine to kick this off? I bet I, we have the same one because it was pretty really? egregious, in my opinion. I, let, let's let's see. Go ahead. So mine, my I, mine's Drew Holiday. Like yep. I, I just okay. I'm I'm very happy that that we're on the same page here. Yeah, I don't understand how we're only going to have one member of the Milwaukee Bucks. They're the defending champs. Drew's playing great. <laughs> I don't know if anyone. Yep. I don't think anyone's watching the Milwaukee Bucks this season. Um, but he's been great, uh, deserving of all-star consideration. I don't know if he'll make it, but it really doesn't matter with a player like him, as we saw in the finals and in the playoffs. He he doesn't need to necessarily make an all-star team to be viewed or perceived as an all-star caliber player. So, yeah, you know, you see some of the, I don't whatever, like seeing Derrick Rose on here, seeing Kyrie especially, which is just like, people i understand that you um adore this person but like let's give credit to the 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 players who are actually suiting up and um playing basketball this year and uh drew holiday uh recording psas with his family to get vaccinated not just getting vaccinated like shout out to drew holiday awesome person um so drew holiday was like the easy one for me so i'm actually a little i'm not surprised that you had drew too but i didn't think it was that obvious to be honest no 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 it's very i mean because let's let's look at what we're looking at here so each position in each conference has 10 guys listed as far as their vote totals i mean even the the least vote getters on the list that we're looking at fred van vliet who also very very deserving i think darius garland's very deserving too but those guys are nine and ten on the list. Garland and Van Vliet, um, in order. Van mm-hmm. Vliet has a hundred. I mean, we're only talking about like a hundred thousand votes, basically. And Drew Holiday didn't have that to make the list. And then you you mentioned Rose, who is out and has been out for weeks at this point, and will be out through past the point that we have the All Star game. He's got almost a quarter of a million votes. Kyrie Irving has more than a quarter of a million votes. And Drew Holiday is playing for the defending champs, having a great season on both ends of the floor, and doesn't. I mean, maybe he has a hundred thousand, but it would still keep him outside the top ten for for just the guard position. Uh, 
but almost, you know, even in the front court, nine of the ten guys on that list have 100,000 votes too. So it's a little bit surprising, you know, to not see him or for that matter, and I don't think he's nearly as deserving as Drew, but Chris Middleton's not on the list on the top ten in the Eastern Conference for the front court either. So it's a little bit surprising. I guess Milwaukee's a smaller market, but a little bit surprising to not see them get a little bit more love considering that both of them have been all-stars before as mm-hmm. well and that they both were just champions and both, you know, were kind of on the biggest stage last year. So a little bit surprised by that. Uh, so were there anyone who, who on the list was too low for you when you're like, what's the deal here with my guy finishing nine i'm not gonna telegraph anything too much but my guy finishing ninth in the front court in the western conference on one of the best teams like what's good yeah no i mean you 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 just kind of telegraphed it so <laughs> go bear in my mind should be a starter and he's you know barely in the top 10 in the west um when you look at the east i think you've got two guys that like we were saying before it's interesting because I actually agree with a lot of the names on the list. Most of them deserve to be there, but Garland and Van Vliet are really low in the in the East as far as where they are. Um, you basically have a bunch of guys that all are in contention to be starters, and then you've got yeah. everybody else. But everybody else should not include Kyrie Irving, Derrick Rose. Look, I you know Tyler Hero's had a really really good bounce back year. I don't think he's I don't think he's All Star worthy this season. Uh, you know, some people would argue that maybe he is, but I don't. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just have you have a couple guys that are kind of names that are popular that are in here, regardless of whether they've even been playing. And then you've got everybody else. And then the list. I actually don't think the list is that terrible. I just think the names are kind of scrambled in, in some cases. But you've got guys that haven't been playing that really don't deserve to be on the list. Quite frankly, I'm actually surprised that Ben Simmons is not here. Or were you surprised by that at all? But you know what, though? Like, think about who would be most in support of him, which would generally <laughs> what be is Sixers that? What fans. What is that population? It, it would generally be Sixers fans, but who is it right. now? Like, he's exactly. not – I guess he went to school at, at LSU for a year, but, like, <laughs> he's not from here. So it's like, who's really his base of support other than Clutch? Like, you know, so I don't – it's not that surprising to me that he's not there. At least Kyrie – kind of has a following among children he's played for a couple different teams so he might you know he's got yeah i really did diminish his following as just children i think there's more people than that that like kyrie irving but i mean he has a base of support i'm not sure who that is with ben simmons like even if it was normally sixers fans i don't think that's his cohort this year i don't think so so it's not stunning to me that he's not there um you know, I did see some stuff about, you know, like little campaigns that are being built on Twitter, but um, everybody's got those more or less and probably even more so when they're actually playing games. So I'm not that surprised. I love how Clay Thompson is listed fourth among Western Conference guards. And I, like, I don't know about you. Like, I don't care at all. Like, that's great. Good for Clay. Um, very cool person. But it kind of uh, leads us to the next question, which we've kind of already touched on upon a little bit but like who here on this list is like just a little maybe too high and you're kind of like let's bump this person down a little bit we already talked about Kyrie Derek Rose um for me I'm just like Anthony I don't know Anthony Davis was one of the first names honestly I looked at and I was like 
Uh, I know he's sixth, which maybe you could you could argue that that is fair placement given his his stature and um, I guess how good he is when he's he's right and he's a hundred percent healthy and he's he's peaking. But that's one for me that kind of uh, stood out a little bit. And then yeah, that that's probably like the, the biggest one, honestly. And then there's obviously Andrew Wiggins and and. Uh, uh, Tom Ziller wrote a really fantastic explainer in his newsletter, his his Substack newsletter, which everyone should subscribe to if you aren't already. Um, And basically, like, the way Tom laid it out, I'm I'm no longer surprised or find um, Wiggins finishing above Draymond Green is all that surprising uh, at all. Um, and it does not upset me. So <laughs> that was just a, yeah. a good explainer by Tom. You know, you know what? Somebody tweeted me yesterday, and I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like I think it it's made me think. I'm not sure I have a great answer for it or response to it. They were like, I I, I podcast with Zach Lowe uh, at the very beginning of the week, and the person asked me when when we didn't have um, Luca firmly on the team, basically. Okay, we get that Lucas had a somewhat disappointing season in your eyes, but are you really going to sit here with a straight face and tell me that Draymond's a lock when his numbers are essentially the same as what he did last year? And granted, his team is on a 60-win pace, but you're really going to sit here with a straight face and tell me that Draymond's a lock at whatever he's at, seven points a game, you know, eight rebounds, seven assists, or whatever he's at, but Luka Doncic at 25, 8, and 8 is not because his numbers are a little bit disappointing to you? Are you really going to say that? Like, even if his numbers are down, that's, you know, if we're talking about production, and yes, we know how great Draymond is defensively, are you really going to say that? It was, it was a good question. Uh, you know, and like I said in that podcast with Zach, I think Luka eventually gets that spot. You know, maybe it was too harsh to say he's not a lock. I, I don't think realistically he is. He'll probably get the spot anyway. I imagine that team will probably be – Represented, and if so, I think he's more likely to get it than um, than Kristaps Porzingis. Which, by the way, he probably deserves to be on this list. He's not one of the top ten vote getters in the West uh, for KP. But I mean, it's it, you you see some weird stuff sometimes. Wiggins has had a, a about as deserving a year as you can really have to not really be anywhere near lock status, in my opinion, despite how good his team is. And I'll be honest, I think that they're probably, even in my own mind to some extent, there might be some bias just as far as like, I think we've written him off from what we thought he could be when he first got into the league. A lot of people kind of gave up on him completely despite him averaging like 23, 24 a game in Minnesota. He went to a team where he actually can win and has guys that can kind of show him the way a little bit. And maybe he has a little bit more dog to him. His numbers are not going to be as great counting wise. But they're way better efficiency-wise. He actually gives a crap on defense. This is probably the version of Wiggins that we all wanted. And he's doing it. And he's doing it with the winning team. If he doesn't make an all-star team, I don't think he has to make it. But I do think he deserves very much to be in the conversation. And if it's not this year, he's still young enough to make it in future years. Um, so, yeah, I did see Tom's argument. I thought it, Tom is great, by the way. I haven't ever met the guy, but he's a great writer. Um, but I don't know. It's an interesting year from that standpoint. But I also don't know how many All-Stars the Warriors fundamentally deserve uh, if they should have more than than two 
this year or if they should have three or if they do, how many other teams potentially deserve three. But anyway, neither here nor there. It's an interesting argument with Wiggins. It's an interesting argument with somebody like Draymond, who I think deserves to make it, but also with guys that are disappointing like Lillard. I don't think Lillard makes the team this year. I don't think he's going to be in position to play anyway at this point. But uh, it's been a strange year for a lot of reasons, but it's also helpful for picking the team to have some of these guys out because, holy hell, 12 spots is not enough ever to pick these teams. And I don't get how it's done that way, but it is. Yeah, I I think the Wiggins situation is really interesting. Um, He's having an excellent year for one of the best teams, maybe the, the favorite to win the championship. And from that perspective, it would be a really cool story to see him make it as you outlined um like when so the next question that i had for you was just who here is just the most ridiculous placement and we touched on a few of these names i don't know if we've really gone in depth on who i've got listed here as the most ridiculous but i want to hear who uh who you've got listed first, and then we can kind of go back and forth. So, you know, with respect to Carmelo, who had a really good start to the season and has been a lot better than I think most of us could have imagined there in L.A. for how, you know, for how old he is and everything else and just kind of where he's at in his career. The Lakers are, you know, they've got a massive fan base, so I'm not surprised. But like you mentioned before, Davis has been out for a while. He was not even having a particularly great season by his standards or even really a good season by his standards was struggling in most metrics. But then you've got Russell Westbrook on the list in the West, which this is a guy that earlier this week, you know, I I think it was Sam Amick had uh, a story basically saying that, like, yeah, the Lakers were kind of covertly trying to trade the man, uh, you know, essentially weeks, maybe a month and a half, two months into his tenure with the Lakers because it was so disastrous. Um, So there's him. You know, I I, I just – fundamentally kind of don't understand how those guys are deserving but also they're big legacy names so i understand it but the other name that i mentioned just a minute ago is lillard lillard has not played well by his standards at all i don't even think he'd be in this conversation at all if it wasn't damian lillard and a guy that is you know a top 75 player of all time um and has not been healthy either and so you know i don't think he's going to be in this conversation at all by the time we actually get to the selection process, I, you know whether he's even healthy enough to play, statistically whether he's in a range to really compete for a spot, 40% and low 30s in terms of shooting percentage is generally not going to get it done when you're averaging 20, 22, 23, even maybe 25 a game. And it also puts somebody, mm-hmm. and I'll say this, not to hurt your feelings, Tatum is a guy that kind of falls in that Whoa. range too. Okay. Averages a lot of points. The shooting percentages are off from what they generally are. And mm-hmm. the team is not playing particularly well. I think he'll be on the team anyway. But uh yeah, I don't I don't really know what to make of of that uh for these guys where I think you've got for whatever reason, maybe it's the ball, just the you know, the uneven way of the season so far with COVID. You've got a lot of guys that just have had really off years so far shooting the ball and are just now starting to rebound from it, even as the leaders of their teams. Or, you know, Zime Udoka said yesterday, maybe there are no leaders of that team. Uh, but I don't I don't know. I, I just don't know what to really think of these guys' candidacies. Like, they, they normally would be locks. 
and their numbers are just a little bit off from what they normally are, or in some cases with Lillard, way off from what they normally are, and it's going to make it a little bit more difficult to slot out a place for them on the team. So, I so first of all, the the, the player that I had was Carmelo. Um, I his numbers are I, I understand everything that surrounds him in terms of where he plays and all that, but like the Lakers aren't a very good team. His numbers are almost identical to what they were in Portland last year. If you actually like, he started really hot. There was like the six man of the year talk, all that. It's like. Right. Every single time he catches the ball at the elbow and he jab steps, he like pivot, jab steps, pulls up. I I don't think I've seen one of those shots go in this season. Like maybe they have. And (laughs) I was, (laughs) but like he's a spot up three point shooter. He's he's been pretty good at it for sure. Um, At times has been their third best player, but they're not very good. So I don't, you know, I, I, that one was just like, what is even happening here? Um, so Tatum, I see your argument about Tatum, your point. I'm looking at the list of who else is in the Eastern Conference and is eligible in the front court. Now, DeMar DeRozan is in the backcourt. That is, but there's been some hand-wringing about that and his positional placement it, since it, he plays yeah, the it floor matter. a ton. Whatever. Because look at how many votes but he like, has, too. Like, he would make it either way. He'd be he'd be the third frontcourt guy. He has more votes than Embiid anyway, so it wouldn't matter. But, yeah, go ahead. Yes. But, so... With Tatum, who would you have? So he's fourth behind KD, Giannis, and Embiid. Like, who would you have ahead of Tatum who's currently behind him? Or is it just not that deep for you? I, I, I mean, again, so I, I think I said this um, a couple days ago. If you, if you took, and I don't know, maybe it's crazy to say that you would take Jalen Brown over him. Uh, I know he's missed time and everything else. Like, to me, I'm just of the opinion that with some of these guys and some of these teams, they have two guys that belong in the conversation. By the way, Jalen Brown's also not in the top ten here as far as voting for front court, which that was a little bit surprising to me. Like, Vucevic we're gonna is have a Vucevic. long Jalen. We're going to have a long Jalen Brown conversation. I yeah, think, in a, like in a couple minutes. So, I mean, to me, like, you could easily have him there, and I, I wouldn't think it was crazy. I know he, like, again, I know he's missed time. Um but, like, I think he's been really good this year. I think he's been fine. I, I, it, to me, it's not as apparent of a drop-off um, as there has been with Tatum. And maybe it's just that the team is a mess in, in disarray in the fact that there's not as much ball handling as there was on the teams before, that he's got more responsibility, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I, it, 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 again, like you said, it's probably hand-wringing to the point where it's it's unnecessary. But Butler certainly deserves to be there. Jared Allen certainly deserves to be there. If you count DeRozan as a front court guy, he deserves to be there. Lamelo Ball, there's different guys you could put on the team. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say Lamelo deserves to be there over Tatum, but I, if you did it, I would be fine with it. If Tatum makes it, I'm fine with it. I just kind of feel like you have a lot. I, my point, the reason I included Tatum in the conversation is you have a lot of guys that have not been the most efficient this year or their normal efficient selves this year that are going to make the team, and in some cases. Mostly in the West, and I so maybe I shouldn't lump him in there. In the West, you've got guys that are up for this conversation that really don't deserve to be, other than what their name is. And and like I said, Lillard is I think the poster child for that this year, which I hate that it had to be him. I like Damian Lillard. Um, I know he's played through injury. I know his situation in Portland has been a total mess. And you know, and maybe there's something to be said for whether 
he needed to come out and say something more firmly. I guess he's always said that he plans to stay. So it's not really on him at a certain point. But uh, that, that situation's been a mess, and his numbers reflect that. And him just not being healthy and the ball and the foul rules and the changing foul mm-hmm. rules. Um, so, I mean, like I said, it's probably more of a Western Conference thing. But I do think Tatum has some of that going on as well. Yeah, no, that's that's all fair and well and good. Who who are you most happy for when you looked at when you first saw this list? What, was there a name that popped out to you where you were like, "Oh, look at that guy! I'm 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 he's getting recognized. That's wonderful." It it was Wiggins, honestly. Um, you know, I, I I think that he's someone that I can't think of too many players in NBA history, recent NBA history, that have had kind of the run that he's had, where I've wondered this question in my head for a while. Like, who's the most skilled? Well, skilled is probably a weird word, but like the most statistically accomplished player that like isn't a household name. And if I really had to think about it, like for years, the guy that struck me that way was Tobias Harris, a guy that plays well enough <laughs> to get max money, but yeah. like you. If you went outside of that market that he plays in, people wouldn't know who he is unless it's like a diehard NBA fan. And like he strikes me as like, could you tell me where he went to college? Could you tell me something about his game? Can you tell me how tall he is? Can you spell his name properly? Like some people probably couldn't. That's damn, that's kind of harsh. But like, am I wrong? Like, does he fit the kind of the the prototype of what I'm talking about? I I imagine he probably Mm -hmm. is a pretty accurate name for something like that. Wiggins feels like that on some level, except he was a number one pick. So people know who he is, but very few people get really excited to watch him play. He's electrifying athletically, but still, I don't know that people get excited to watch him play. That's rare. It takes a lot to do that, but I think his career had kind of died so much in Minnesota that people just kind of wrote him off. It was kind of like, you know, Within a year of him signing the max deal, people were like, oh, this is an albatross. Like, nobody wants this guy. What was Minnesota thinking? He's certainly not going to be the guy. Jimmy Butler doesn't like him. Him and Cat are just kind of whatever. If we got to keep mm-hmm. one of these guys, it's very clear that Cat's the decision. He's still a generational prospect. And then there's Wiggins, who has all this talent, but like nobody trusts him to actually do anything with it. So the idea that he gets a chance to rewrite that narrative, the chance that he might have to make the All Star game, alongside Steph and Draymond and, you know, under a coach that seems to believe in him and Kerr, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, I, I, I've never been the biggest Wiggins fan, but still he's too young to have just been written off completely. And so for him to kind of have a chance to rewrite that narrative, I think is really cool. Yeah, that's a good choice. I, I do like Wiggins too. It's fun to watch him um, just have the success and get the recognition for, I mean, just his whole career path has been one of like harsh criticism and like all he did for the first few years of his career was like play in every game and average 20 points per game. Like it's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's very hard to do. I mean, in the, in the world of load management, like this guy just like didn't miss games and um, was super consistent. Now I will say like, if you look at the on-offs with uh, Wiggins and Steph, and this isn't like particularly novel, a lot of players are better with Steph on the floor, but Wiggins is 
like a lot better with Steph on the floor and like Steph is Steph. That's why Steph is so special. And so I just want to point that out um, in the conversation about Wiggins season. But the player for me who I'm just by far most happy for is Jared Allen, uh, Cavs okay. center. Great. Who, like, I I think, like, if he, you know, if Embiid missed, I don't know, like, 20 games, 30 games or something, 25 games, Jared, like, who is starting in, at the, filling that front court spot? I know there's no center right now. They took that away. But, like, Jared Allen's the second best center in the Eastern Conference. Am I missing something? I don't, I don't even know if I'm, like, speaking. I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. I can't think of anyone who's had a better season than him on both ends he's the anchor of one of the best defenses in the league uh i forget if i said this stat on the show before but if his current statistics hold in terms of um his shots per game and his field goal percentage no player in nba history has ever attempted 10 at least 10 shots and shot at least 70 percent from the floor in the history of the league that includes Wilt Chamberlain, like just everybody. So he's doing that right now, barely. And that's awesome. Like he's, and he's at like, he's, he's, you know, he's adding, he's added like a, like a subtle touch with like, you know, he's got the up and under now. If you watch his post moves in Brooklyn, he was just, first of all, they never, ever posted him up in Brooklyn. And that's just like a Kenny Atkinson stylistic strategy thing. And that makes sense. But like when he gets the ball down low, like they'll feed him and he knows what to do with it. So like, you know, shout out to him. Like, I'm just really, it's really awesome to see that dude blossom. He was like pretty, I mean, there was, there was some harsh criticism when he signed that five year, $100 million contract. And it's looking like a steal, frankly. He's awesome. He's like 23, 24 years old. So shout out to Jared Allen. I was, I was not ex- expecting fans to like be on board as much as they are. Like, him getting more votes than Bam. Like, I know Bam's been hurt, but that still sure. surprises me, honestly. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was really happy to see it. And like, I've, I've said this a couple times, that's a team that I think not even sneakily, I was going to say sneakily deserves maybe two guys. Cause I think that the teams at the top of the Eastern conference, I think Milwaukee, Chicago, Brooklyn deserve two. And I think it's pretty easy to say that Cleveland, I've said this a couple times, they've got the best net rating in the East. And I don't think it's particularly close. I still don't think it's particularly close, even though they're like what fifth in the conference, um, they've got three guys that deserve to be in the conversation. I think two of them that should probably make it. I'm not a big fan of rookies making the game, and I, I think it's rare that they make a big enough impact to deserve it. Um, so I don't think Mobley, it'll be for Mobley this year. Even though the game's in Cleveland, it would be really nice to see them get a couple of guys. I think Garland deserves to be in the conversation. I was happy to see him in the top 10, too, which is it's hard. You know, like I don't expect fans to get it right in all these cases especially considering how big and how different the sizes of the fan bases are um, and how big the markets are. So, like you said, just to have Jared Allen in the top six and essentially as the second center was a very, Mm -hmm. very nice uh, sort of thing to kind of look at and see because it was not what I was expecting either, but I'm happy to see it. I don't know if Cleveland's going to get two All-Stars. I don't um, think they will. Yeah, I don't either. They're fourth in net rating. They're great. Uh, like I said, their their defense is awesome. Um, they're kind of like the Cinderella team of the season. All-Star game is in Cleveland. So they're going to get one for sure, I would say. 
Who do you think that one is going to be? I, mean, I don't think there's going to be a starter, of course, but like just make the team. Who do you think is going to be? It's, it's got to be think, Jared Allen. It's got to be. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're be. on the same page there. Because okay. like you said, like you can make a very, very clear, coherent argument. I don't even know who you throw in the conversation as the next best center after Embiid if it's not him, like you just said. You can't do that with Garland. Like You'd essentially have to argue, even if you were saying – okay, we'll take two sets of guards, like one starting backcourt and then the two guys after. I'm not completely sure you put Garland in that conversation. I don't think he can be. Um, I think Mm -hmm. maybe you can make an argument if other guys fall out because of injury, which I think will happen probably, somebody. But you've got Trey and DeRozan and Levine and, you know, Harden. I, I just don't know realistically who you're pulling out of that. I don't think you can to say that Garland deserves it more than those guys, but I think he can be in the next group right after, or in Holiday, too. I'm forgetting about Holiday. Uh, but you've got to, he's, he's right you. in that group with, he's right in that group with Van Vliet and, and other people that I think you have to consider. And that I legitimately hope makes it because he, you know, it, it's not just that he's had a nice season, but I think it's that Cleveland's been the surprise team. It's that Sexton has missed virtually the whole season. You know, now Rubio is out too, so it's like Garland has more on his shoulders. He's got to feed the ball to three different seven-footers in the same lineup sometimes. Uh, It's it's an interesting team, but he's got a lot of responsibility on his shoulders for a pretty young guy who's had a really, really nice season. He's improved a lot. So I would be happy to see him make it, but I'm not completely sure that he will. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. So you mentioned Harden, and we haven't really had a, a conversation about him. He finished second. That honestly surprised me. He finished second among guards in the Eastern Conference. And, like, I know the Nets are good, but, like, I feel like the narrative of his entire season, and, uh, you know, not to get too bogged down in narrative, but I feel like fans follow narratives as they're in the voting process, participating in the voting process. Um, him being second above Trey, above Zach Levine. I'm trying to, like, I mean, like, I guess it is slim pickings in the Eastern Conference in the backcourt. Um, <laughs> right. But, but like, is that just the reason why? Like, or were you, like, totally fine and unsurprised and unfazed by Harden finishing second with 890,000 votes? Or, or what was your reaction to that? You know, I, I honestly didn't think about it. I was a little bit surprised at Trey. I, well, I, the thing I was most surprised by was that DeRozan is, like, at a million and a half votes. Uh, which is kind of cool to see. I was he, too. Shout out to he him. Deserves Love it. Jamar. Uh, but it it, it kind of confirmed what I was thinking. Where I I said this a couple days ago. 
normally when you see like you remember how when LeBron first got to Miami, Dwayne Wade was still kind of the leader of the team, even though LeBron was pretty clearly the best player from the moment yep. he set foot there. Um so I think there's something there's this thing where when a couple of star players or even one star player kind of goes to another team and there's already a star player there, you kind of expect the star player to get more love than the guy that's already established there. So the fact that not only does DeRozan have a million and a half votes, but the fact that he's basically got twice as many as Levine is really interesting considering that their stats aren't fundamentally that different. But, it you know, and this last week has been a lot in that in that direction as well, where it's pretty clear DeRozan at times really carries them in a way that Levine sometimes does, but not as often as DeRozan. And so these votes reflect that in a huge way where – He's got twice as many as his teammates, so it's not just Bulls fans voting for them both because DeRozan, granted, he's played for a couple different markets at this point, but that was surprising to me um, first. And then the fact that Trey Young doesn't have more with the way he's playing surprised me. Harden having a lot of votes doesn't stun me, though, again, because if we're Mm -hmm. talking about – I think you do get a benefit here. I remember when I ran for uh, student government when I was in junior high – I had gone to a couple of the feeder schools, and so I was like, oh, man, I'm about to rack up some votes because people know me at that school. They knew me at the school I just came from. That's kind of what you have going on here. It's like James Harden played for <laughs> a huge market in Houston where really a lot of people didn't view it as his fault that the Rockets sucked. Like, Granted, he kind of had seemed to throw in the towel pretty clearly and pretty bluntly, but a lot of people saw what was happening with the Rockets too, and they're like, they haven't really done much to help him. After a while. And so I'm sure he's got people that ride for him really hard there. And he, you know, this is a, a fraction of the vote total that he normally gets, I'm sure. Uh, it's lower than normal for him, I'm sure. But, um, you know, so it's not totally stunning to me that he has this money. I just thought that Trey Young would have more. When you ran for student government, Chris, did you brand yourself? Did you grow like a big beard and have people call you the beard? Was that like a thing or was there any way for you to market yourself to kind of get out there and get people to to vote for you and get the enthusiasm up? I think I've told this story before, but maybe not on this pod. No, the, the way I tried to brand myself, I basically <laughs> let my dad write my speech and it was all going really, really well until my dad suggested for me, a sixth grade boy, to suggest starting a Beanie Baby Club in my junior high. <laughs> And then, like, the vote totals were, like, Laura Mitrick, 430 votes. Obi Simpson, like, 389 votes. Chris Herring, negative 14 <laughs> votes after the Beanie Baby suggestion. It just went nowhere. And, uh, yeah, and, and I, was, I was the butt of every joke with my boys until we graduated from high school pretty much. So, yeah. I, uh, I, did, <laughs> I did not know that story. I've never heard it before. Um, I, I, I think that the votes that you just said um, were very specific. The names of the other candidates. This is clearly something that has been oh, yeah. just at the forefront of your brain ever since. And so I, 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 that is incredible stuff. Um, shout out to you. I'm sorry it didn't work out. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry it didn't work out too, man. I could have gone to Harvard or something if I'd had that foundation, that solid footing. Instead of going Undoubtedly. to the- the Harvard of the West, you know, at Michigan, I could have just gone to Harvard. Har- okay, we, we. I don't want to get a sidetrack with what you just said, but. <laughs> <laughs> there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, speaking of Harvard, I guess this is sort of related. We're going to have a Jalen Brown uh, okay. conversation real quick. So uh, I want to kick it off with um, an email from a longtime listener named Benjamin, who writes, Hey, Michael, Rohan, and Chris. Last month, I sent in a question about whether the Celtics should potentially look at a Jalen Brown for De'Aaron Fox trade, and there was unanimous agreement from each of you that Brown was a better player than Fox, so it didn't really make sense to do a straight-up trade. However, after watching the Celtics continue to look lifeless last night against the Spurs, um, also, I guess this qualifies as <laughs> last night against the Knicks, um, I can't help but get the impression that Tatum and Brown, while fantastic players, don't actually complement each other well on the court. Boston's bad drafts have left them with a roster with surprisingly few valuable trade assets. Outside of maybe Time Lord, this Celtics team has no young players who legitimately have the potential to one day make an all-star team. So given these circumstances, does it make sense for the Celtics to consider trading Brown for a borderline all-star who would better fit alongside Tatum, even if they might be a level below Brown talent-wise? Or is there another way that the Celtics front office can add the all-star playmaker without having to give up Brown? Because this current team doesn't seem to have a lot of room to improve without major roster changes. Benjamin, thank you so much for this email. It was fortuitously timed in a lot of different ways. One yes. being that I wrote a column <laughs> I wrote a column uh, for SI.com, which is up now. And honestly, a uh, little inside baseball here. I have Twitter open because I was looking at the, uh, the first fan returns and I was looking at that ballot. Um, and my mentions have been exploding in, a, I'm sure, extremely negative ways because that column posted shortly before we started to record. Um, so basically, the, the I want to talk about the fake trade that I posited um, involving Jalen Brown and involving the Atlanta Hawks. And essentially, mm. it is Jalen Brown to Atlanta for DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, Jalen Johnson, and two unprotected first-round picks. And I want to caveat it by saying, (laughs) first of all, I like your, you were in the Google Doc, the shared outline that we have, um, um, commenting (laughs) just, oh, oh, exclamation (laughs) point. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, okay. The, the same reaction it. that I just had now. I forgot that I did that yesterday in the Google Talk. <laughs> Hilarious. At least you know I'm consistent. So, uh, 100%. Uh, we love it. Uh, so, this trade, the, there should be a quick caveat, which is that 
it's not going to happen this season. It's too complicated to trade Kevin Herter's contract. He has an extension that's poison-pilled, and the money just wouldn't work, and uh, it's involving one player for several players, and it's just, it would just be way too complicated. So basically, I wrote about this under the pretense that both teams would struggle for the rest of this season. Maybe one of them wouldn't even make the playoffs. Um, definitely not get out of the first round. And just essentially look like they're spinning their wheels heading into the offseason. And I thought that this was an interesting way for them both to shake things up. The immediate reaction that I saw online, um, on Twitter, etc., was uh, incredibly negative in this in the sense that <laughs> the Celtics are getting absolutely hosed here. Uh, they're getting two role players, uh, picks that will be in the twenties and a prospect that no one knows anything about. And so I don't, I don't feel that way at all. So I want to hear your reaction to it as a very smart person. Yes. Tell me. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm first of all, I would really seriously consider if I was Boston, like if not just straight up do it. Um, but secondly, I would be scared shitless to do it if I was Atlanta because that's a lot of talent that you're sending out, not to mention the picks. Like, I'm not – I don't necessarily know that DeAndre Hunter will become Jalen Brown, but if you had to, like, handpick three people that you thought could, is he not one of the three? Like, as far as – I mean, like, he has a ways to go still as far as what he can do off the dribble – but just kind of the way he projects, not to mention that he really hasn't had like a full on opportunity to do it yet, just as far as like staying healthy and also look at how many other guys he plays with that are very capable, which that was always my thing. I, you know, I've been wrong about plenty this year already, but you know, of the things I was right about, I remember saying really definitively, I thought the Bulls would be really good this year. And I thought that the Hawks would struggle and a big nailed it impetus that I had for the Hawks struggling was that they've got so much talent that I kind of feel like these guys are going to really grow unevenly. Like I think we're all expecting them all to take a step forward this year. And it's just not possible. It doesn't work that way. And part of that is like all these guys, and you wrote about this before the season started. Shout out to you. Um, and a mag piece that like some guys are not going to get fed when they're hungry. And, you know, in terms of getting the ball, and just getting opportunities to kind of show what they can do after a year where they got a chance to really shine on a big stage. DeAndre Hunter didn't really get that opportunity throughout the playoffs because he got hurt. So, mm-hmm. and that was after he'd been hurt for most of last season anyway. So, I don't know, man. Like, there's a part of me that wonders and worries if I'm the Hawks. Like, am I giving up a player that could be a pretty good percentage of what Jalen Brown is and giving up DeAndre Hunter? And if I do that, I'm also giving up Herter, and I'm also giving up Johnson, and I'm giving up two unprotected picks. Like, bruh. So to the <laughs> to the Celtics fans that are saying, like, hell no, we won't go. What? Like, you're not even going to consider that? Because if I'm the Hawks, I'm terrified of giving up all that stuff for Jalen Brown. And I love Jalen Brown. So, Me too, but I also yeah. love DeAndre Hunter. It's a... To me, it's an actually really interesting trade, which is why I said, oh, in the Google Doc and why I hit you with the face that I hit you with this morning because it was almost like I was reminded of how interesting a trade it was when I saw it again and when we were talking about it again. It's a really interesting trade. 
that potentially helps both teams because you've got too much talent in Atlanta, seemingly at times, but you also don't have one guy that you kind of view as like a go-to guy. Who was the closest thing to that? Like McDonavich, maybe? Uh, or at least last year, you would have said that because he can handle the ball a little bit on his own where mm-hmm. maybe you don't trust John Collins to do that quite as much. Um, Hunter would be that guy. You're hoping that he grows into that guy. Herter is the other guy that I guess does that too. But uh, I don't know. If you have like another guy that is kind of at Trey's level offensively, that might be what you want or what you need kind of. Um, whereas Boston just needs depth. They just don't have it. They've got a lot of guys that are interesting but kind of more interesting in theory than they are actually on the court. And uh, so I think it would solidify both teams, quite frankly. I like the trade a whole lot. But like you said, it wouldn't be this season. You've uh, boosted my confidence. You've made me feel really good about myself because uh, I thought um, that uh, I made a huge mistake in writing this <laughs> after I first saw just the, the general reaction by like every Celtics fan in my mentions telling me I'm a huge idiot. And... Uh, like I, I see it from that perspective, of course. I see it from uh, Jalen Brown, two, one-time All-Star, potentially a two-time All-Star this year. I mean, he just scored 50 points. I know it was against the Orlando Magic, but scored 50 points in a game efficiently. Followed that up with 30 points against the Spurs in a loss. And so, like, the talent is just, like, it's overwhelming. And if you don't get a star back for him, it's disappointing. But who are you hoping see- to get? Like, we're, we were talking no, before. I, know I remember... The conversation before was about like, I remember we had the conversation about Lillard months ago at this point, and I was saying if I was the Blazers, I would entertain that in part just because they need to move the hell on with some of these things that they've got in Portland. If it's not for him, maybe you use him as a centerpiece in McCollum and you trade everything else and you get everything else that the Blazers possibly have to offer and you consider that for somebody like Brown. Like he's that good. He could be the centerpiece of a trade for somebody like that. So I get that that's probably what you'd like to aim for if you're Boston. But if you're not getting an established superstar back for him, you're getting someone that very easily could be a star and Hunter and a bunch of other guys that project really well, not to mention unprotected picks. What? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, you have to at least consider it. Whenever you get somebody that has shown – the facsimile of, of potentially being very close to what you're trading away. And then you've got a good rotation player who could be a starter easily. Another guy, a young guy that could be good. And you've got two unprotected picks. I'm not even sure what we're talking about. Like you absolutely consider it again, if not do it. I love Jalen Brown, but like I fans, let's just say it diehard fans. A lot of times, most times, overrate the guys they have certainly when they're first drafted when they're one or two years out because you don't want to lose out on something that's really good that hasn't blossomed yet but even after the fact because I've seen guys I've seen Knicks fans which is probably the fan base that I follow the most closely because I used to cover the team tell me that they wouldn't trade RJ Barrett for Damian Lillard and that they wouldn't use him (laughs) to get Damian Lillard I'm like what are we talking about I understand that you love him but you guys also dog the guy when he has three bad games in a row, which happens often because he's young and he's a little bit inconsistent. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's what young players do. But, like, you hold on to these guys forever until you then realize that they're not franchise players or that they're not 1A guys. 
you absolutely trade those sorts of players for 1A guys that lift you to the next level that all of a sudden make Julius Randle not look like poop. You, that's why you do it, is so that you have a guy that you can tether everything to and then everything else makes it look a lot more sensible and makes everybody else fall into a role a lot more easily, which is kind of what you need if you're Boston. You need mm-hmm. probably for Jalen Brown or Tatum out of the picture so that one guy can just kind of ascend into that role and there's not a question anymore of what you're doing and who you've got. So that's been clear for a minute now, and I think this season in particular it's very clear. It's it's a really fascinating one. It's like ideally, like I don't think they should necessarily trade Jalen. I like I think he's a supreme talent. I like his age. It's like for me, it's like if you're keeping these two guys together, and there's just really no visible path towards the championship because. The roster that you have, like the roster that they had, I thought was a really good roster and like a lot of talent. I thought there was depth. Um, I thought they had a good mix of veterans and young players. Up, and it's just like it's not that's not the case right now. That's not it's not working out. And you, they their strategy had coming into the season was to re-sign a lot of those guys to long term deals. So continuity is kind of out the window here. Um, you're not going to roll it back with what you have. Jalen Brown's current contract expires um, not next season, but the year after that. So it's like the clock is ticking on him. I know a lot of the feedback that I got was like, Jason Tatum's going to be upset if you trade Jalen and then he's going to walk. And it's like, okay, he just signed like a five year extension. Like, let's settle down. Like, I understand. start that clock the minute that that they get the deals and the extensions. It's so weird to me. It's like you've got four years. When are you supposed to trade people? Or not trade people. I'm sorry. When are you supposed to make anything happen with the rest of your roster if you can't do it shortly after they are locked in? Like, they get over that. If if you can win and if you show a better way, but you have to be willing to do that. Otherwise, what's the point? It's like, do you think Tatum was super pumped about... Uh... I mean, he hit what could have been, you know, the game. He played... I thought, first of all, I thought he was, it was his best game of the season last night. Like, he was phenomenal on both ends. Just... As a playmaker, he took you know he's made subtle strides as a playmaker that Jalen frankly hasn't, and he hits the game tying jumper in RJ Barrett's face, rejects the screen, just just awesome superstar stuff. And Jalen Brown had you know this is just one game. Jalen Brown had zero points in the fourth quarter. He had four points in the second half, and was just completely absent from the offense in a way that I think kind of does speak as a, as a microcosm to when he's not scoring, how does he necessarily impact an offense? So positively. It's fair. So, so like, I I don't, I don't know. Like, I I don't even know. It's just like this whole topic kind of like freezes, freezes my brain a little bit. And, I'm just like, if you get DeAndre Hunter and you get Kevin Herter and you get two picks, it's just like, that's a good haul. And it's like a it's really a good haul. And so I know I'm like, now I'm just like yelling that my trade but idea But you've was got a lot of people that don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I, I feel like I've been saying this more lately, and maybe it's just me pounding my chest over the Bulls prediction and everything. Like, there were, frankly, a lot of people that didn't watch DeRozan before. There are a lot of people that watch the other teams 
but don't really notice the guys that whether they're in a log jam rotationally with other players that are really good and need time like Cam Reddish and uh, we've talked about John Collins and all these other guys. DeAndre Hunter hasn't been on the court all the time over the last couple of years because of his injuries and everything else. Really, really good player. And when he's healthy, like potentially swings playoff series, he's that good. Um, I mean, they just demolished the Knicks, and that was in large part because of what he was able to do. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm not really sure what people's expectations are, but I, something tells me that a lot of people don't realize how good he is. And it's not just that we think he can be good. It's that he's already been really good and already been a big difference maker in terms of on-off, in terms of defense. And again, if you're looking for someone that can do some of the stuff that Jalen Brown can do or a lot of what he can do, and you know, maybe you know, it'll be interesting to see what DeAndre Hunter pulls down as far as his contract. Um, but if you're getting him and Herter and Johnson and picks, you you could maybe do better than that if you're trying to shoot for the stars. But if you're trying to just build that team out, which I think would be the effort to find a, a group that can run with Tatum, you could do a lot worse than that. And it's something that you would – I guarantee you the Celtics would at least listen to that. I, I don't know that it they just, would take it, it, but they would at least listen to it. It just gives them a, a, an added sense of flexibility with assets, obviously. But you just mentioned Hunter's contract, and we're going to wrap this up real soon. But like you just meant to mention Hunter's next contract, and he's extension eligible um, this offseason. And it's like – is he getting paid more than OG and Anobi? Wow. Like his next, you can't, you know, it's not like he's like making the leap right now and getting the, you know, it was heading into the season. I thought he was going to get like a max, frankly. I thought that, that was my thought. Right. Right. And it's I like, think they thought that too, because happen. their owner even yeah. said that. I mean, their owner said, we're not going to be able to pay everybody. And it kind of stings to admit it. They didn't quite max out John Collins. And I think the thought for why they felt like they weren't going to be able to really take care of everybody was I think that they were thinking they were probably going to have to max out Hunter as well. Um, you know, they paid Herter as well. And so they paid most of their main guys now. Hunter was really the one piece left. And like you said, it's probably not going to be a max now. But, you know, those are the sorts of contracts you want. It's harder to move guys that are max level guys for all sorts of reasons, let alone somebody with his injury history, uh, herders there. Like I said, I, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, again, it's not to say I would do it, but I would certainly think about it. Um, and I, like I said, I can't imagine Brad Stevens does not think about that if he gets that offer. Maybe you try to sweeten it some, but like you would think about it. Right, so let's let's close there. Um, anyone who just listened to us talk about this and is still upset, please direct all your anger at uh, at Chris. He is at Herring underscore NBA on Twitter. He would just love to hear your thoughts, um, your criticisms on the column that I wrote. Uh, that's about I know to lock Chris, my he account. Goes, he, t- <laughs> he tells me that all the time. He's like, man, like, I just want more mentions. I want more people to argue with on the internet. And so please make Chris happy. Um, as we they said, buy at the top, my book, also they pre- can argue all they want to. <laughs> exactly. I'm all good with it. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, I'll argue with you all day long if you want to buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> pre order Chris's book, Blood in the Garden. Excellent stuff. Uh, Chris, thank, thank you. you so much um, for 
everything that you do for participating, for um, indulging me and, and reading my stupid columns and arguing about them with me on this podcast. Um, thank you so much to our listeners. Uh, please keep the emails coming in, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Everyone, please stay safe. Everyone, please continue to enjoy the NBA season. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.